We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's show was brought to you by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management, and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings, and I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com xm to learn more. Hey everyone, this is Colin Kelly. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Beat on Rotoviz Radio. Each week on the Fantasy Football Beat, I'm joined by an NFL beat reporter to break down one of the biggest games of the week. And on today's show, my guest is going to be Grant Cohen of the Press Democrat. He covers the 49ers for the team and we'll be discussing their contest coming up uh, as they host the Seattle Seahawks in Week 12. We'll be looking ahead to some of the key players, key matchups involved that we think is going to help decide that game. We'll be talking about Kyle Shannon and his role as head coach since coming over from uh, the Atlanta Falcons. We'll be talking about Carlos Hyde, Jimmy Garoppolo, talking a little bit about the Seattle Seahawks as well and how Russell Wilson has done over the course of the season. Uh, so it should be a fun show and I'm looking forward to talking with Grant in just a little moment. After we talk, I'm going to take a few moments to recap what we discussed, use some of the uh, apps up on rotaviz.com to dive deeper into the game from a fantasy football perspective. And of course, for those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. You can check out all the apps, all the great articles up there on rotaviz.com and uh, I highly recommend just uh, having, a, having a nice little look around the site. Lots of great content up there. Uh, obviously, the season is moving along. It is week 12. Some of our fantasy teams aren't going as well as they could be some of them are heading straight for the playoffs and uh, obviously those are the teams we want to have but maybe 
your uh, season isn't going the way you want and you want to have a little bit more fun this weekend as we go I'm a Packers fan and the Packers season hasn't been going all that great for me and uh, having a little bit more fun at the weekend with a couple of wagers involved maybe not on the Packers because that is just uh, not a winning proposition at the moment but uh, we can look at it maybe some prop betting and you can do all that with my bookie they are the uh, bookmaker that I use they are in my opinion the best in the business it is mybookie.ag and uh, I've been using them over the last kind of 18 months and uh, there's absolutely no reason for me to think about looking anywhere else with the the great service that they have provided they have a great all-new mobile site a great app that you can use uh, while out and about on your phone whether you're just watching the game want to click on a bet on your ipad it's so so easy to to do that and of course they have great player perks and one of those player perks is if you sign up and use my code rotobeat while signing up they'll match your deposit for 50 percent that offer is available this week only uh, as we head into those thanksgiving games and uh, that is a 50% sign-up bonus using that code ROTOBEAT. And of course, as I mentioned, there is already that website is mybookie.ag. Some great value around this weekend. Some uh, great propositions, I think, that we could win some money on. But as we look into this one on mybookie.ag, we have the San Francisco 49ers at home. They are seven-point underdogs in this one. So the Seattle Seahawks, obviously, seven-point favorites is minus 105 for the Seattle Seahawks and minus 115 on that plus seven for the 49ers. When we look at it then, it's minus 300 Seattle on the money line plus 240 for the San Francisco 49ers over under is 43 so some interesting propositions and I'm interested to see what Grant has to say about the game how he thinks it's going to go obviously them seven points quite a large number to be putting up on the road for the Seahawks who haven't traveled particularly well uh, over the last couple of seasons and uh, obviously lost on Monday Night Football so let's get straight to it and see what Grant has to say about the game and uh, let's get him on the show right now. Delighted to be joined now on the show by Grant Cohen of the Press Democrat. Uh, Grant covers the 49ers for the team and uh, you know if you're looking for 49ers news uh, on social media particularly on Twitter uh, Grant is your uh, go-to there I, ha- I have to say throughout the season you've been uh, doing a fantastic job with the the Press Democrat so uh, it's my pleasure now to, to be able to talk to you on the show as we uh, as we preview this matchup. Thank you so much it's my pleasure to be on the show with you. Uh, obviously we're looking ahead now to uh, week 12 and I've mentioned this on all the shows it's hard to believe, believe we're already at week 12 of the season but uh, with it being week 12 uh, and week 10 we've seen that the 49ers get their first win of the season they were 0-9 they have moved now to 1-9 CJ Beathard true for 288 yards and two touchdowns ran for a third score uh, as the 49ers won their first game as I mentioned 31-21 over the New York Giants obviously it was the first win under Kyle Shanahan and uh, obviously no team wants to go uh, with a losing record the entire season so at least they got that uh, off their back but uh, what was your biggest takeaway from that game obviously as they moved into the bye week from that game was that Kyle Shanahan I'm not saying he came into his own as a head coach in that game, but if he goes on to become a successful head coach, we'll look back at that as the game where he sort of figured out the job. Because to me, one of the main reasons the Niners were 0-9 before that game started, I mean, obviously the talent isn't there, but it's not an awful, awful team. Uh, It's just young. One of the reasons that they were 0-9, they lost a lot of close games, and to me, the team had a total lack of leadership from the head coach down. A better head coach wins some of those close games. To me, he was still just an offensive coordinator um, and uh, a challenge one because he's using the same scheme he used last year with inferior players. And uh, it's a scheme the rest of the league has digested and had a chance to figure out how they want to defend it. So he needed to step up and enforce a standard of performance, a, uh, a, a standard of quality uh, in terms of discipline and focus and, and intensity that the team was going to uh, rise to, not just a scheme. He, he needed to offer more than a scheme, and I thought 
in this game against the uh, Giants, a lot of 0-9 teams would have packed it up and not played very hard or, or very smart or very uh, clean. But the Niners played a very clean, professional game. Obviously, they were playing a bad team, but if they had played sloppy like they did earlier in the season, they wouldn't have beat the Giants. Uh, so they, they did what they needed to do. They played like there was still something on the line, and Shanahan gets credit for bringing that out of his players. So uh, I think that was the game that Shanahan went from being an overpromoted offensive coordinator to a real head coach. Yeah, that's a very fascinating way to look at it because we look at players coming into the league and sometimes we see rookies struggle well there's obviously a big step as well coming from college to the NFL and obviously there's a big step going from offensive coordinator to head coach so very interesting perspective as you you put in there and obviously it's they had those close games early in the season so a big step forward as they were able to get that win so they're coming off the bye they are one and nine as I mentioned they're already obviously out of playoff contention they're in contention for that number one overall draft pick uh, in 2018 general manager John Lynch admitted this week it'll be helpful for everybody to to see and uh, be able to evaluate what they have now in their potential new franchise quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo it, it probably isn't an ideal time to put them in as they face the Seattle Seahawks obviously the Seahawks lost on uh, Monday night football but do you think we, we will see him uh, be put into the spotlight and make his debut this week, or do you think it's a case where uh, Bethard has earned enough rope to be able to, to get another game or two as we, we move along in the season here? You know, it's a great question, and it's one that uh, we may find out the answer to very shortly. John Lynch is going to speak with local reporters in about half an hour. Uh, that hasn't even been reported, but that's going to happen. So we may find out soon. I'm thinking that – I'm just guessing, and this is not a very well-informed guess, but I'm thinking that they – may not start him because uh, I mean they're keeping this very quiet I'm thinking that they may not start him for this particular game coming up against the Seahawks and then uh wait well the way I see it is Bethard played so well against the Giants it makes it hard to sit him at this point uh teammates believe in him he just put up great numbers uh, like six incomplete passes the whole game I think if you uh, bench him now and Garoppolo doesn't play as well, it brings up uncomfortable questions and issues. I think what you, the Niners could do is just say, look, Bethard uh, is the hot hand. Garoppolo's still learning. We have no reason to make this switch right now when, when Bethard's playing well. Let's, let's just keep it going week to week. And if Bethard falls in his face, then you can bring Garoppolo in at halftime or the next week. So we'll find out soon. But I'm guessing they, they're going to wait one more week until uh, Bethard maybe comes back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, and obviously we're recording this one on Tuesday, so uh, you may have already heard uh, what is happening with uh, Jimmy G as of the time you're listening to this show. But uh, with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as well, I guess you know we've seen what happened with Nathan Perryman or Peterman uh, up in Buffalo this past week. So you don't want a situation like that, and we see a similar situation going on with Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota. So maybe it's better just to, you know if if it's a case where Bethard falls flat in his face, you can take Jimmy off the bench in the second half, and the, the crowd gets behind him a little bit more, less uh, expectation at that point. So. Again, the other question with him is, I guess we have to, to ask, uh, they really have to they have to sign him uh, long-term uh, going forward? Oh, I think so. I, I mean, I think when you give up the that type of compensation, the second-round pick, which is really like a late first, you're committed. I mean, it's, I, I hear people talk about the Niners still need to evaluate Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that period is over. I mean, they've, they've given up a really high draft pick for the guy. That means they're all in with him. They want him to be there. They've said they want him to be their quarterback of the future. Whether or not he is that guy is a different issue, but you can't just give away that, that draft pick uh, for, for an eight-game rental. I mean, that's, that's unacceptable. Um, that would be the biggest failure if they just let him get away or if they sign him to a franchise contract and never convince him to stay long-term and he gets away in a year or two, maybe even goes back to the Patriots after uh, Tom Brady retires. 
Um, I think it's kind of strange that the Niners haven't already extended his contract. I think more experienced, uh, entrenched general managers would at this point. But I think there was uh, a lot of desperation from John Lynch, who's in his first year, doesn't have a background in this, wanted to show uh, his peers and the, the league that he still that he knows what he's doing and that he's making progress. So I think he, uh, I, I'm guessing the Patriots brought this offer to him. And even though he didn't have a, an extension in place, he, he went for it because he wanted people to praise him and he wanted the organization to feel optimistic that there is a future. So uh, they need to sign him to a contract, a long-term extension. And you wonder what'll happen if Garoppolo goes in the game this weekend, for example, and doesn't play well uh, Would that, would that uh, sour him and his agent from, from playing long-term. Or would that sour the Niners? I mean, would they try to use that against him in contract negotiation leverage? Say, look, you came in and your numbers weren't that good. I mean, they weren't even that much better than Bethard's, or they were worse than Bethard's. So uh, let's re let's re uh, uh, calculate what you're really worth on the open market. And the Niners may be able to get him for cheap, or or there could be some type of um, bad blood uh, between the two parties. It'll be interesting to see what happens if Garoppolo doesn't play well when he comes in. On the other hand, if he plays very well, he can make a whole lot of money because everyone knows he doesn't have a, uh, a supporting cast here. Yeah, and it's, it's fascinating. It's going to be very interesting to watch as uh, we move forward here. And obviously, we're looking back now to the game coming up uh, here in Week 12. The Seahawks, as I mentioned, are now 6-4 and four, uh, after that 34-31 loss to the Falcons last night uh, on Monday Night Football. So the injury reports, usually this show is recorded on Thursday or Friday, so the injury reports obviously are nowhere near uh, being set at this point in time. So rather than talk about who we think is on the injury report, is, is there any key injuries uh, pre- previous uh, to the bye and coming through the bye? Is there anyone that we need to watch out for this week that may miss out uh, for the 49ers? Well, I think we, we need to watch uh, George Kittle and Trent Taylor, see where they're coming from. And then obviously Solomon Thomas. There was uh, some noise that he was going to play last game and then he didn't. So I think the expectation would be that he'd be ready to go. Uh, Tank Carradine may come back. So they may have some reinforcements on defense. Uh, those are the big ones off the top of my head. Pierre Garçon's out for the year. Um, yeah, those would be the big ones. Sorry, one more would be Adrian Colbert. He broke his thumb, had a procedure. He'll either play this week or next week and probably with a cast on his hand yeah so that, that uh, that's going to be uh, one to keep a close eye on as we progress through the week obviously if we're looking at the key matchups and how we expect this one to go i guess uh, up for us they have the uh, 49ers run game the seattle seahawks defense has uh, been getting a little bit better uh, against the run but again uh, they did let up some yards on monday night football they they are tougher than anything that the 49ers uh, did see in week 10 obviously against that giants defense so as we move forward, uh, the 49ers and uh, getting Hyde going has been something that they haven't really done on a consistent basis throughout the season. Uh, when they did play uh, at the start of the season, we've seen Carlos Hyde run in that one there in week two for 124 yards against the Seahawks, and it was his best game of the season. We've seen Kyle Juszczyk been used uh, pretty heavily in, in the passing game over the last couple of weeks. He caught five or six targets uh, against the uh, Giants. So when we're looking at uh, how we're seeing this backfield shake out, do you think we're going to see, obviously, with uh, Bethard and there are, if it is Jimmy Garoppolo, do you think we'll see a heavier dose of the run game going forward? And uh, I, I've been pretty impressed with what we've seen from uh, Matt Breida so far this season. So how have you felt those backs have uh, you know, played so far this season, and how do you see it uh, factoring in as the season progresses now? Well, it seems to me that the Niners had so much success running the ball in their first game against the Seahawks, and the fact that they won last week, uh, really running the ball, running 33 times and passing 25 times, I believe the numbers were. Everything tells the Niners they need to run in this game. Um, they, uh, one of the reasons they lost to uh, Arizona a couple weeks ago was they 
called 58 passes and 16 runs for running backs. That was out of whack. The, the, the Niners caught a lot of heat from it in the press locally here, and they adjusted immediately to call more runs. Obviously, the Niners should be calling more runs. I mean, it, coming into last week's games, they were leading the league in passes per game, which is all messed up because the best player on, on offense is their running back, and their offensive line can't pass protect. So obviously they need to be running. I would expect a, a lot of Carlos Hyde against the Seahawks this week, and a lot of Carlos Hyde the rest of the season. I mean, I think the Niners are still deciding whether they want to re-sign him long-term, and they're not going to make up their mind until they see that he plays an entire season without getting injured because he hasn't done that yet in his career. So I think he has a lot to prove. It's been a, it's been a strange situation, you know, throughout the offseason. You mentioned John Lynch and when he came in as you know in his first year, there was a lot of talk this offseason that they didn't really want Carlos Hyde. He was on the trade block, and it went on and on and on. And uh, yet again, when he is getting the opportunity, he has been playing quite well. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way. And uh, at this stage, I'd be kind of surprised if they do keep him long term. And the rest of the Forty Niners offense, obviously, there's no uh, kind of denying the importance of having Joe Staley back in the lineup. Uh, this against the Giants uh, prior to the bye, uh, Bethard wasn't sacked. He was just twice so that's a very stark contrast I know you mentioned the pass attempts against Arizona but he got hit 16 times in that game so another improvement for the 49ers this past uh, game was that they went 8 of 12 and third down so again it's uh, maybe the the offense and you mentioned Kyle Shanahan stepping up as the coach but maybe the offense is starting to figure out uh, this you know scheme and you know just getting a little bit more uh, rounded as we go on have you seen uh, the offense behind Kyle Shanahan is there more evidence that it is becoming kind of more inbuilt into the players and recent games are starting to understand some of his concepts a little bit better? I think that's part of it, uh, certainly. Um, But I don't think it's the whole thing. Uh, I think you have to really keep in mind that the Niners played a very bad team. I mean, the the Giants' defense in particular, they were like last in the league in sacks. So a lot of that uh, pass protection or or the fact that that Bethard only got hit twice and sacked zero times, I mean, that, that might be less the Niners and more the uh the Giants I'll be very interested to see how the how the Niners offensive line protects when they're facing Michael Bennett and Deion Jordan and uh Frank Clark so that'll be a better test but what what really I mean I think that there is something to what you're saying though I I looked at the numbers from the past three games and a lot of key areas both on offense and defense the Niners have improved uh yards per play things like that and I think you can definitely attribute that to players learning these systems it's going to take a little while especially with the way the NFL is now and since all the abbreviated uh, practices in the offseason, it takes a while to learn the system. So, yes, I would see that. But to me, what was most important, most impressive about what the Niners did in their last game was just the lack of penalties, the lack of false starts, uh, that kind of baseline stuff that you have to do to, in order to win games. Uh, scheme is secondary. Scheme is important, but if you can't do the, the basics right, you have no chance. So the Niners finally got to that stage. They finally uh, – did the basics, did the bare minimum that it takes. You have to do to win a game, especially when you're not loaded with talent. So what I, I want to see now is they've had a week off. Can they sustain it? Can they do this two games in a row? Or, or is that just a total fluke against a bad opponent? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's definitely, you mentioned there, you know, with Bennett and Co. Uh, Clark uh, getting getting to put some pressure on this offensive line this week. It's going to be a very good test. Uh, obviously, uh, there's quite a quite a number of players from the uh, Seattle Seahawks. You know, we we know the legend of Boom. They're kind of the legion of backups at this point in time with a uh, <laughs> uh, strong shifty uh, Cam Chancellor uh, out for with a neck injury, and you also have Richard Sherman lost a few weeks ago with his Achilles injury. So there's a lot of uh, players missing, and it's just not what we had in the 
the past. The front, uh, the front of that there defensive line is uh, still there, but you know there is opportunities to take advantage of this team. We've seen that again on Monday Night Football. So can the Forty Niners offense take advantage of some of those maybe deficiencies, what we call them, uh, in the Seattle Seahawks defense? Well, if they can protect Bethard, the answer is yes. I would say absolutely, but that's the question. I mean, can they keep Bethard upright? They haven't been able to do it at all this season except for the one game. And is that an indication of improvement or just one bad opponent? And it's, it's, it's impossible to know until this Sunday. So, yes, they can, they can uh, exploit these deficiencies down the field, but they need to give Bethard time to do so. And I think I will say one more thing about the Seahawks. They're interesting because right now they're, what are they, 6-4? and four? And that's with Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson wasn't their quarterback, if he got hurt, like, like Aaron Rodgers got hurt for Green Bay, they wouldn't be a good team. I mean, they're barely 500 now. Uh, if he were to get He's hurt playing amazing. out of his mind, he's like the entire offense um, running and passing. So uh, this is not a very good team. There's holes all over the place. They do have some good players. Bobby Wagner's good. Michael Bennett's good. Uh, some good players. But really, this isn't a good team. This is Russell Wilson doing a lot of stuff by himself. Yeah, you could see you could see this team without Russell Wilson really struck. You know, they really would be down there um, with the 49ers, yeah. with the Browns, and what they what they're trying to do. And we've seen with the Packers losing Aaron Rodgers just how much they've struggled. So we'd see something very very similar. Uh, so when we're looking then, obviously at the uh, 49ers defense uh, trying to stop the Seattle Seahawks offense. You mentioned obviously uh, Russell Wilson, and they have stuttered at times this season. They've really struggled in the run game. It's pretty much been Russell Wilson improvising, making plays to get the job done. He almost got the job done on Monday night football he went 20 uh, 28 of 42 he had 258 yards two touchdowns one interception he also was a leading rusher at 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground so he's uh, just uh, dominating uh, as a quarterback but again the, the offensive line is pretty much a turnstile at this point in time so how do you see the uh, 49ers trying to slow down this C- Seattle offense we talked about the 49ers offensive line well the C- Seahawks offensive line may be one of the the worst in the league at this point in time yeah, absolutely. I mean, them and the 49ers. But it was interesting. The way I think about this is, is, is the matchup from week two, I believe it was. Uh, you know, the Niners really did a good job against Russell Wilson as a passer. I think his pass rating was 75. Now, a lot of those players that were on the defense in that game are hurt. But still, I mean, Reuben Foster will play. He didn't play in that game. I think the Niners, uh, I mean, they've shown they can, they can, this particular defense can give Wilson problems as a passer. The issue the reason they lost that game was they couldn't keep him in the pocket. Uh, whenever he kept the ball in the zone range, he got a first down. And then on the final drive of the game, when they scored their, their only touchdown in the game, they went, uh, they went um, hurry up. And Russell Wilson had a couple of uh, two or three long runs that extended the drive and ultimately led to the win. So the Niners, what they need to do is keep him in the pocket. And that's the same for every team when they face him. If he gets out and starts scrambling around, you're going to lose. So they need to uh, – they need to make getting the sack secondary to keeping him in the box more important. Make the little guys throw over the big people. Uh, the Niners have six linemen. Make uh, Wilson throw over to Forrest Buckner. That's more important. And what I'm interested to see is last week, Ronald Blair looked really good. You know, he looked better than Solomon Thomas has played all year. Ronald Blair actually worked the edge of a guy instead of going right in the middle of him, got around the guy twice, the, the right tackle for the Giants, and sack, uh, had two sacks and a fumble. I'm curious to see what Ronald Blair can add to this team and if they stick with him, even if Solomon Thomas comes back. 
Yeah, and he should obviously get an opportunity to, to work this offensive line, as I mentioned, with the struggles. But you mentioned Russell Wilson, and sometimes the worst thing you can do is, you know, be ready to get him sacked. And then he, you know, you, you often see him spin around to, to his right-hand shoulder and spin out of the play. Right. We've, seen it, we've seen it, I think it was against the Cardinals two weeks ago, where he, he actually spun out of it twice and passed the ball to Doug Baldwin for uh, almost right. a touchdown. So it's just crazy what he can do with his uh, improvisation. So that is, I think, going to be one of the key areas, if they have any chance this week, is to, to stop him from uh, breaking the pocket. So, yeah, and you know, the, the Niners' problem is they it, you need speed. Like, when Russell Wilson starts doing all that stuff and starts spinning around and running, the, the reason he can do it is because there's no defense. There are very few defensive ends, defensive linemen who can run with him. And the Niners, to me, don't have anyone like that. I mean, Elvis Dumerville is old. Ronald Blair isn't fast. Salman Thomas isn't fast. Aaron Lynch, who won't play, isn't fast. So they, they can get to him, but then they've, always, they've really had a tough time uh, – corralling him even since the days when they were the defense was great and they had Alden Smith you really need somewhat that rare six foot four 250 pound guy who runs a four five and the Niners don't have that guy very few teams do that's why he's so good yeah those guys are very very hard to find so we've gone through quite a few different topics but is there any other that we maybe haven't touched on that you think will be a key in deciding what happens uh, on Sunday um well one thing that struck me uh, a few minutes ago is Russell Wilson will be facing this 49ers defense that is based on his own defense. It's the defense he faces every week, every day in practice, and, and the defense he faced last night. Uh, the, the Falcons run the same thing the Niners do. So he has had so much uh, experience going against what he will face. And not just that, not just the practice experience, but the, he's coming off this um, you know, full-speed, uh, real-game run-through of what he's going to face uh, Sunday night. So that's an advantage for him. Uh, over the Niners. The advantage for the Niners is they get more rest. They're coming off a bye week, and the Seahawks are coming off a short week. They just played last night. They have six, six days to prepare. The Niners had, what, 14? So that's an advantage for them. Uh, I, I think the Niners definitely can compete in this game. The Seahawks are not that good. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. I, I, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. Well, uh, I guess uh, I'll put you on the spot uh, in just a little moment to see what you think. But uh, obviously, it's been a tough season for the 49ers fans. And I want you to, as we start to get towards the end of, end of this segment, I want you to give, uh, maybe there's some 49ers fans listening and give them something positive. Do you think the, the team is moving uh, in the right direction at this point? I can't say that it's moving in the right Well, I'll, I'll say that it, it took a step in that they didn't have a head coach a couple of weeks ago, and now they have a head coach. I don't know if he's going to be a good head coach. Uh, part of me is a little skeptical on Kyle Shanahan. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of history of offensive coordinators, very good ones who can't become leaders and head coaches because the job is so different and it's really, there's not enough hours in the week to do both well. And he's trying to do both jobs well. And to me, he was failing until this last week. So at least he took a step uh, in his abilities to lead, to lead and uh, enforce a standard of a standard of play. Um, Beyond that, uh, I think what's, What's promising is the defense has played well. I think the, the defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, has improved steadily all offseason. He has the defense playing very hard. And what was hurting them earlier in the season was penalties on third down. Uh, they were just the worst third down defense in the league. They were good against the run, but they couldn't get people off the field because <laughs> they would commit so many penalties. And since they've gotten rid of Rashard Robinson, they've been better on third down because Rashard Robinson just grabbed people. I mean, <laughs> that, that, was his, that was his technique of, of coverage was just to hold. So now that he's gone, the defense has improved. I do think there's a lot of young talent on that defense, a lot of first, second, and third round picks, and a, a good young coordinator who uh, has no experience but has, uh, I, I think has a promising future, and I think they'll keep him for next year. So 
what they have going forward is a defense that's gelling and young and an offense that may be turning the corner. They still haven't figured out their quarterback situation, but at least they have a good problem. They have two guys who seem promising and one guy who they like very, very much. Um, besides that, they need an overhaul in the offensive line. They need a number one wide receiver. They're probably going to need another running back because Carlos Hyde's probably going to get a lot of money on free, uh, in the free agent market and go somewhere else. Uh, so they, they, they still have a lot of building to do on offense, but it seems like they have a foundation on defense and maybe a quarterback, so that's promising. Yeah, so at least uh, there's some positivity there. And you mentioned that you didn't you didn't want to you know you didn't know who you were going to pick. But when I look at this game and you see that uh, the Forty ers won, a lot of the time you see the team they have no wins on the season and they're afraid of finishing the season zero and sixteen. They put in that big effort to get the win. Sometimes then when they come back in the next game they fall flat and there's a possibility that happening. We mentioned the Seahawks losing on Monday Night Football. They now with the way the Rams are going, pretty much have to win this game to uh, keep you know in that wild card run for for the rest of the season so when you're looking at the game on sunday i'm going to put you on the spot now which which way do you think this one goes okay i could change my mind later in the week but on the spot <laughs> right now i think i may choose the 49ers simply because as i said earlier i think the key in the game is keeping russell wilson in the pocket and the Niners simply didn't have the players to do that uh in the first matchup because navarro bowman couldn't move he couldn't change directions he couldn't spy russell wilson and and Ray Ray Armstrong is one of the most undisciplined players. You can always get him going the wrong direction. He's athletic enough. He's just not smart or aware as a player. So now the Niners have two totally different inside linebackers. They have Brock Coyle, who uh, knows his assignments and is a smart player. He's in the right place, at least. And they have Ruben Foster, who is more talented than anyone else, than Ray Ray or Navarro Bowman. So I think uh, in critical third downs, the Niners will spy Russell Wilson with Ruben Foster, and I think that will be more effective than whatever they were doing in the last game. So I think they'll have at least have a better, more uh, ammunition to keep Russ, to, to do what they need to do against Russell Wilson, which will ke- keep the game more competitive. Uh, so as of now, that's, that's, that's my pick, and that's the reason why. Yeah, and obviously I mentioned we're recording this one on Tuesday, so a lot of things can happen between uh, now and Sunday. But uh, Grant, there's been a lot of great information there. Really fascinating to get a deeper look into the 49ers because obviously with the team struggling this season, the mainstream media hasn't been covering them uh, as much as uh, many of the other teams in the NFL. So good to get a little bit of a a deep dive into the the 49ers. Of course, the listeners can follow Grant on Twitter. It's at Grant Cohen and uh, follow all the great work he does with the Press Democrat as well as covering the the team. So uh, Grant, thank you very much for uh, jumping on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Take care. Thanks once again to Grant for coming on the show. Lots of great information, as I mentioned when we were recording. We did record that on Tuesday, and of course I'm recording this segment a little bit later in the week as we uh, look more at a, a fantasy football perspective and injury news is a bit more up-to-date and so on and so forth. So I'm going to be recapping what we talked about, diving a little bit deeper into it, using the apps on rotaviz.com as well in just a little moment. But uh, the season, as I mentioned, is here. It is week 12. It's just steamrolling straight through, but it's still a perfect time to sign up for a Rotoviz NFL pass. It is never too late. You can get ready for next season. You can be preparing, get ahead, get a, get that leg up, and your teammates be ready for next year. Get the great information provided uh, on rotavis.com, and of course, throughout the off season, we'll be providing great information, and you can get that early advantage as you get ready for your drafts, whether it's best ball, whether it's dynasty, whether it's redraft. We have it all covered on rotavis.com. So that NFL pass is available, thirty percent off, and you can get that at the NFL Podcast homepage. That is 
rotaviz.com forward slash podcast your subscription will give you unlimited access to all our nfl content and tools and best of all it helps support the pod so again be sure and get that 30 percent off it's 30 percent off it's a, it's a great bargain buy yourself a present we're coming up we're at the holidays for thanksgiving we're coming up to the holidays for christmas make this your christmas present make it your thanksgiving present say thanks to yourself for having such a great fantasy football season and uh, go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast get yourself signed up to that rotaviz nfl pass so I recorded that part with uh, Grant earlier in the week. I'm recording this one now on Friday. So when we're looking through it, I'm just going to give a little bit of update on the injury report when we look at it from the 49ers pers- perspective. The only player really of any question is safety Adrian Colbert. He mentioned that thumb injury did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. So he is at this moment in time uh, questionable for the game coming up this weekend. So we'll see what happens on Friday. I mentioned recording this early friday morning so that is all really that is uh you know any doubt for the 49ers on the seahawks side obviously they played on monday night football they have quite a number of names uh, on the injury report here who have not practiced they have a couple of guys in though that haven't practiced it's based uh, not on injury just on whether it's giving them rest or whether it's you know family time whatever's happening we have michael bennett who hasn't practiced this week bobby wagner has not practiced this week with a hamstring injury but it is uh you know there, there seems to be a confidence that he will play obviously when i, when I mentioned with this defense and all the injuries obviously both of those guys are key members of what remains of this Seahawks defensive uh, side of the ball. So looking through it then, offensive line, Dwayne Brown hasn't practiced this week. Um, Jimmy Graham hasn't practiced this week. Shaquille Barrett again on the defensive side as a concussion. He hasn't practiced this week. Uh, so offensively, like uh, there's the same amount of injuries clocking up here as on the defensive side of the ball. Mike Davis, the running back, has a groin injury. I'll be talking more about him as well. He hasn't practiced this week either somewhere. Going through our uh, projections and thoughts in this game, we're obviously going to take that into account. And obviously, the short week for the Seahawks uh, lets some of those guys maybe they're more likely to play than not, but basically, they won't be practicing full as the week goes along. So, Friday will be a key day for a lot of those guys. We want to see limited participation uh, at a minimum, kind of from the guys if we're expecting them to play on Sunday. So, going through it from uh, starting off at the quarterback position for both teams. And obviously talking with Grant, he was talking about how he thinks that people may be a wee bit off in this game, thinking that uh, the 49ers could possibly go on to win this one. I mentioned at the start of the show with my bookie, they are seven-point underdogs. So, and I, I've looked around the DFS community, around the fantasy football community, and you know people are projecting this to be pretty much a blowout in favor of the Seahawks. So on the road, a tough spot uh, sometimes for the Seattle team to travel. I mentioned the injuries and the concerns around that, and obviously the Seahawks or the 49ers having the bye week rather to uh, you know prepare, have a little bit better of a game plan get things uh, going I mentioned their injury report is looking very very healthy for this stage of the season so Russell Wilson up first and obviously he is one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league right now and in terms of uh, especially in terms of fantasy but he's been playing terrific uh, in terms of real life as well and it's, I try and uh, marry the two of them together but uh, obviously that is a differentiation sometimes you have to point out that somebody's a very good fantasy player not a very good player in real life at Russell Wilson at the moment doing both terrifically well over the last five weeks he has averaged 315.8 yards a game 13 passing touchdowns and has added 44.4 rushing yards per game on the ground with a rushing touchdown so he's just really crushing it in all aspects uh, over that there time so it's um, been very very impressive from him but 49ers have been consistently and consistent and that means that they're giving up a lot of yards here to opposing quarterbacks Seven of the last ten quarterbacks against them have uh, been able to get up to the two-touchdown mark. And then, of course, uh, we talked a little bit about the Week 2 game when Russell Wilson struggled against this uh, 49ers defense. He only managed 198 yards, one touchdown in that one. But, uh, you know, I mentioned over the last five weeks is kind of 
how he's done. He, he did start a little slow to start the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does. But, you know, looking here at the GLSP projections up on rotaviz.com and Russell Wilson, he kind of has, uh, you know, the same floor almost to the high. You know, you have low, medium, high. And the floor kind of is 18.9 and four point passing touchdown leagues. And then the high is 24.5. So there's a very, very consistent range of outcomes there, which you're going from 18 to 24, which for a quarterback is a very low change in probability. So think we're going to see him probably finish around that but people expecting a huge huge blow-up game you know maybe a 30-point game from him maybe will be disappointed this weekend because there's such a you know a favorable uh, matchup here i think in particularly in dfs they're going to be very very highly owned across the board for the seahawks so they are somebody who if i can i'm looking to fade and pretty much in all my lineups i've set so far for uh, dfs this uh, week in week 12 i've i have no seahawks involved and as we go through i'll be talking just the, the downside could be there but russell wilson i think is a safe bet but i don't think he's going to have that explosive high ceiling that some people are thinking is going to happen with him on the other side cj bethard will start we were talking about the possibility of jimmy garoppolo starting it did look like uh, Bethard was going to start all the way through and it's going to be interesting to see long term what happens with Jimmy G but he's definitely I, I would expect to be signed to a long term contract with the 49ers they pretty much have bought in and I think they're going to stick with him anyway for the next couple of seasons so we'll see how that contract negotiation goes but Bethard has been uh, pretty good over the last couple of weeks and um, he did injure his thumb in that week 10 victory over the Giants but the Seahawks aren't the imposing defense they once had. I mentioned when I was talking there with Grant. Lost Richard Sherman, Cliff Averill, Cam Chancellor. And I mentioned then a couple of guys that haven't been practicing this week. So it's just uh, kind of a shell off that former defense, as I, as I mentioned there. So there is a possibility here for Bethard to have himself a bit of a day. And I think, uh, you know, rather than go and stock up on CJ Bethard shares this week, I think maybe look at the guys that are around him. But I think the 49ers will be able to put up points this week against the Seattle Seahawks then looking at his projections up here on the Gillespie app well he's not gonna be as heavily owned as Russell Wilson as I mentioned you could pay down for him and he's gonna you know I'm not paying down for him I don't want him in my lineups but he has the potential his outcomes range from 15.1 to 22.4 so not all that different from uh, you know what you're paying in terms of uh, price for these two quarterbacks the outcome versus the price is very very similar for those projections I might even rather be on Beathard in this one so moving along then to the running backs and this is a place that I think is going to be very interesting obviously with the Seattle Seahawks there's kind of a, a backfield that's been rotated with J.D. McKissick, Eddie Lacey, Thomas Rawls has been a healthy scratch over the last couple of weeks, Mike Davis has that groin injury it'll all depend if uh, Davis can go this week if he does go I think he'll get the uh, start again and J.D. McKissick will get some of the work out of the backfield but there's uh, pretty much uh, you know none of these guys that I want to be rostering this week in any format whether it's DFS whether it's season long whether it's redraft you know anyway around it um, I'll just be avoiding this backfield there's none of them with any confidence that I can say obviously Mike Davis if you're picking one if he goes this week it would be the one I'd pick but obviously that injury concern uh, rules him uh, down in my ranking so the, the running backs I'm interested are, are on the other side and it's Carlos Hyde and Matt Breeden um, you know with Beathard starting I think that's going to help both these guys and if you look at Carlos Hyde he's been targeted 37 times in the last five games so he's getting wide receiver targets at this point and that is uh, pretty much up there there's only 11 wide receivers during that span to have uh, that amount of targets and then Christian McCaffrey is the only running back to be targeted uh, as uh, or more than him uh, over that there span so when you're looking at Christian McCaffrey and the production that he's putting up uh, particularly in PPR leagues uh, those catches and receptions that he's getting you know Carlos Hyde is right there with him and that one so it gives him a solid floor particularly as I mentioned if you're playing DraftKings in the PPR format uh, if you're playing in PPR leagues obviously and uh, 
the, the Seattle Seahawks kind of kept Kevin Coleman in check on Monday night, but with those injuries, and then of course with um, a, a day's less rest, or actually a, a week and a day's less rest based on the bye week, I think it'll be an opportunity here for Carlos Hyde Breida. You know, you could throw him in there as a low uh, cash option uh, in, a, in a kind of GPP format, but it's hard just it's, he's one of those players you're putting him in you make it a zero you make it a, a monster game out of him uh, you know monster game being maybe he catches uh, two touchdown passes but we'll just see Carlos Hyde is getting all that work he's getting uh, fed at the moment like a workhorse back and you know if you're looking in dynasty leagues if your if your trade deadline hasn't passed yet he's somebody I think as a, him being out of contract this offseason is somebody that I think is a great opportunity to get there get him on your lineups uh, before uh, he heads off uh, in the free agent market because I think he's going to get paid a lot of money in that one. And because of that workload and opportunity, that is uh, going to make Carlos Hyde this week's draft play of the week. And, uh, you know, if you haven't checked out Draft yet, you really should be. It's a lot, a lot of fun. They're one of the main sponsors here on Rotoviz Radio, and you can uh, join the draft pretty much anytime. Uh, just go online, log on, join up uh, on the Draft app. You can just search for that in the App Store, or else you can play. Uh, right on your computer at playdraft.com so whichever way you prefer and for a limited time only all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make that first deposit all you have to do is use our code rv radio and uh, with it i've mentioned it here on all the beat report podcasts so far you've probably heard it on all the other rotoviz radio shows but there's no salary caps you play in a real life snake draft just like you do with your friends in a season long league and uh, get the drafting done that's it no trades no waiver wire draft takes care of everything even the last minute injuries so get involved this week and uh, Carlos Hyde is somebody I think that might be going under the radar people might be still thinking yeah this uh, Seahawks defense is what it was in the past and thinking it's going to be an absolute blowout but you know if it is a blowout I think that still doesn't really affect Hyde all that much because he's going to get those pass catching opportunities with those targets that I mentioned so Carlos Hyde this week uh, and particularly on draft or if you're playing other DFS formats as a player that I'm trying to lock into those lineups so check uh, check out draft use that code RV radio and of course get Carlos Hyde in those lineups so running through the rest of the players now obviously Again, I mentioned earlier the Seattle Seahawks and how people think this game's going to go. Obviously, Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson's going to be a heavily owned stack this week in dinosaur and DFS leagues. And with that, obviously, comes uh, an opportunity to pivot away from it. And that's what I will tend to be doing. I'm, I might have some shares of Doug Baldwin, but I think I'm going to just set it out on this one. And if you're looking up on the GLSP app, but somewhere, you know, you might be going in thinking, yeah, Doug Baldwin's going to absolutely rock it this week. You stick his name in to the GLSP app and then you see... In PPR leagues, his uh, low is 9.1, his high is 18.9. So there's a, a wide range of outcomes there, but there's a possibility in this one that he does hit that low. I think this. I just think the Seahawks are going to struggle a lot more in this than people are expecting. So uh, I, I think Baldwin is a, a play, but at his current price, he's somebody that I'm avoiding this week. If you're looking in season-long leagues, feel free. I think there's a safe floor there and get you over the line as you head towards the playoffs. But if you're looking in weekly leagues where you want to get that real high upside, I think I'm passing and based on the ownership percentage uh, that adds into it too Paul Richardson obviously on the Seahawks has uh, put up some big games on limited targets uh, you know over the, there was a couple of weeks there where he was averaging two or three targets over a certain span and then obviously had eight targets last week against the Falcons so Wilson spreading the ball around a lot more he favors Richardson in the red zone which is a, an interesting uh, pivot if you're going to move away from somebody like uh, Doug Baldwin at a lower cost and then of course you have Tyler Lockett as well and 
you know, the Seahawks are giving him lots of opportunities and Tyler Lockett's somebody that I, I really like as a prospect, as a player. And, you know, you talk about prospects and you want them to be turned into players at this point when he's moving along in his career. Still has, uh, you know, a lot of potential, but um, has had his issues with injuries and that's really slowed him down. And Paul Richardson, obviously a player who has had injury issues in the past too, has kind of leapfrogged him in the pecking order there. But he is getting those opportunities, but he hasn't been able to, to get the production and I think if you're looking at his uh, weekly floor, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've really seen that, you know, pretty much under five points over the last three or four games. But he always has that opportunity to break uh, a big play and uh, end up winning you a match all by himself. So I think, you know, there's always that possibility that he does go, you know, for 100 yards and a touchdown. But if you want to take a dart through a lottery ticket this week, trying to fit somebody in, you know, trying to fit in some of those studs at the wide receiver position, and then you have to pay down at wide receiver, maybe Tyler Lockett, somebody you can look at there. But, you know, in season-long leagues, he's somebody who... I own in a lot of dynasty leagues and unfortunately for me uh, and for what I paid for him over the years uh, he'll be sitting on my bench this week the only wide receiver really of note that I'm looking at for the 49ers is Marcus Goodwin and you know I I just want to mention as well if you look back at his touchdown uh, prior to the bye in that game they won against the Giants and then the the story came out after it with why he was so emotional after the touchdown his his partner losing uh, a child that morning uh, due to complications and everything just you know that happened and then obviously scored that long touchdown uh, you know I think we all want to to root for him to have uh, you know a, a nice uh, run for the rest of his uh, career basically the rest of the season but it's just uh, obviously I wanted to take a moment to mention that but Marquis Goodwin against the Seattle defense and we look at the Legion of Boom we know what they did in the past but in this here again we're looking at who can CJ Beathard hit and I mentioned he can go to Carlos Hyde I think he can get an opportunity or two to have a, a chance in that deep vertical game to go to Goodwin who does have a Olympic kind of speed we know that and he's totally 68 yards in four of his last five games so maybe teams will start to move uh, some coverage his way but I think there's a, a nice little uh, opportunity there for him to be a low on play with a you know I mentioned with Tyler Lockett could have that big game I think there's more chance here that Goodwin has that opportunity and he really is a home run hitter but I kind of you know and, uh, and if we're looking at season long again he's in that Lockett categories a wide receiver four wide receiver five but obviously he's starting to get those targets so those targets mean opportunity those opportunities turn to points so let's see what Goodwin does this week on the tight end side we have Jimmy Graham and he's uh, now finished as the tight end one in back-to-back weeks he's you know he's just uh, really when he gets the opportunity he produces particularly in the red zone and I think uh, this week he will have that opportunity against the 49ers but They've been good against the tight end position this year and you know they've only actually if you look at it into the stats they've only allowed a single player at the tight end position this year to go over 54 yards so if you look at the the list that they've uh, faced and uh, only one of them and that is the one that went over 54 went over 37 looking through it you have Evan Ingram who had that big game uh, prior to the bye uh, for the 49ers you've Jason Witten, Zach Ertz, Jordan Reed, Greg Olson and Graham uh, in week two so you know, it's a, it just there's so many reasons that this is looking like a lot tougher game for the Seahawks than you'd expect against a one and nine uh, 49ers team. I still think the the Seahawks will win it, but I, I don't think it's going to be the the bonanza that some people are expecting. I think bonanza has been becoming uh, my favorite word maybe on this podcast as I try and describe matches, but uh, this game here I don't think will be that. So looking at the other tight end, you obviously had Garrett Selleck a few weeks ago who had a, a big win at uh, a bottom of the bargain bucket uh, price uh, in daily fantasy. Obviously, George Kittle has practiced this week, so he's likely to be back, coming back off the bye. He did miss 
that game against the Giants. So I'm, I'm looking to uh, absolutely have no part of Selleck this week. And uh, Greg Kittle is somebody who could be very, very interesting. Uh, I think I put him in that tight end two kind of conversation. And uh, I think that, you know, if he can get into the end zone against the Seahawks team that has had a little bit of trouble with tight ends this season. And uh, obviously I mentioned the lack of options there for Bethard, uh, passing it around. You know, I mentioned Goodwin, I mentioned Hyde, and I now mentioned Kittle. I think uh, you know he has opportunity there to get those targets and he's somebody that I might have a little bit of exposure to this week in DFS so looking through the teams there and I mentioned Hyde being my star player of the week I just want to go back into it again up on the GLSP app and you're looking there is a, a wide range of outcomes but in PPR leagues 5.8 is the floor and I think that's obviously very safe what have we seen uh, over the last couple of weeks at the at the running back position but uh, the median then 13.1 and the high is 20.9 and I think you know, if he can get himself, you know, eight targets in this game, I think that 20.9 is very, very achievable. So, Carlos Hyde is somebody I'm excited to see how he does this week. Jimmy Graham up in the GLSP, we have a, a low projection for him in PPR of four. So, obviously, that's not what you want to be slotting into your lineups at his price. We're looking through it then. We're getting down to the median is 8.5. And then there's a massive spike up to the high, which is 16.6. And that there high, I think, really does stick into the, the consideration of the touchdown upside. If he gets a touchdown added to that median which i think he's going to be in around i think he's going to be in around that eight to ten mark the touchdown then obviously puts him up to that 16 mark so uh, obviously we know what we're getting with jimmy graham and uh, we're hoping to get uh, that each and every week but um this week 49ers tough match up uh, against the tight end position and then i mentioned kittle he was very very similar but when you're looking at you know sometimes you go in you think when you really dive deep into these games you might think some of the stuff that I say might, well, that seems a bit strange that he's projecting it in that way. But, you know, when you go through the projections up on uh, rotavis.com, it gives you a great, it takes away the um, kind of script you're trying to write in your head. It gives you the data of what has happened over the last couple of weeks. And you go around different apps, you get to get a clearer picture. And just looking at uh, Kittle, if you're looking at his uh, projections then uh, in PPR leagues, uh, the floor is very similar to Graham. He is three, uh, while Graham had four. The median then 7.5, and the high is 13. So for his price, for his uh, projections of what we could see this week, uh, Kittle, George Kittle is another interesting aspect at the tight end position if you're paying down this week. So running through all those positions, I think they've been all pretty much covered there. So that's going to do us for the week 12 edition of the Fantasy Football Beat. It has been my pleasure as we move through the season here, bringing you the show each and every week. I enjoy getting the, the feedback as well on Twitter as to uh, what you think of the show, uh, what apps I can use as they break down, uh, what players we're going to talk about in the game. So looking forward to uh, some more feedback as the week uh, goes forward here. You can written reviews as well, of course, up on iTunes. Much, much appreciate you can also write and review the entire road of his radio uh, channel up there as well do that as well it only takes a moment helps us out a lot uh, as we move up those itunes rankings and of course uh, do retweet the the show and so on while it is up on twitter so with that said of course we uh, mentioned draft earlier we mentioned my bookie do check those out there too great supporters here off the podcast and uh, until i'm back next week with another show of course have a good one Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Beat on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. I can't believe it.
that Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.